You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Welcome to In the Key of Change Chats. Today's chat is with Alec Varkatsis of Atreyu from Baltimore Soundstage. Let's give it a listen because it's time for a change. This is Jackie, and I'm here with Alex of Atreyu. We are inside Baltimore Soundstage now, so it's a little bit warmer for me. I've been kind of roaming around outside. Um, you know, Atreyu's been really going strong for decades now, which is not something I get to say a lot with bands of your genre or really bands in general because of how the music industry has really yeah. changed. Um, so what do you attribute to your band's longevity? Well, you know, uh, I think first and foremost, we're all good friends. And the, the formation of our band has been our, our friendship, you know. Uh, and we write honest music that I think some people can connect to. And, and I think that's a powerful thing in this day and age. And we're not too, we're only a little pretentious and contrived. So I think people connect to that, you know, just genuine friends playing music together. I think it's a, it's a easy, it's an easy thing to sell. And you don't take yourself too seriously. So that I'm sure helps as well. You know, I have my days. I have my days. I think we all do. I think that's fair. <laughs> uh, last month, you guys released In Our Wake, your seventh studio album. How is it an evolution of sound since Suicide Notes and Butterfly Kisses? Like, let's go way back. Um, I mean, man, it, things have changed just so much since then. You know, you know, I mean, we were 19 or less when we wrote Suicide Notes. Uh, I'll be 37 next year. Uh, so... In January, so th- you know, miles and miles ha- have have changed since then. But I think we still sound like a Treyu. You know what I mean? Like various records will kind of lean maybe a little bit more aggressive, and then some may lean a little bit more melodic or experimental, like this. Uh, but we still kind of always have an underlying theme or underlying sound. Why was it important to get back with John Feldman, who is like the kind of consummate producer and not just of one single genre? I think he's he really branches out. Um, you know, we had worked with John years ago, I think before he had started working with more of the heavier bands. I think we're one of the first or the, we're the first like legit real heavy band he had worked with, uh, you know, cause they used, I don't, I don't consider the use like super heavy. Um, not as a diss. I love the used and the records John did with the used are, are awesome. I had one of the reasons we weren't doing the first time. So the time away from John, I mean, was cool because we got to use the things that we've learned from him because we didn't really know anything about writing records and we went to John and we learned some stuff and then we went and applied it on our own and I think now you know it was fun to go back and work with him as adults more and be able to bring more to the table. Did he allow you to experiment? Was it his idea? Was it your idea kind of to to move things in a little bit of a different direction? I think we thought we were experimenting and then John was like nah we're gonna do this. So we were already kind of taking it one direction and John was like, yeah, that's cool. But then like, let's push it up and try it. whatever you're doing, then just push it up to a 12 and try it at that. 
uh, and that's why you go to him. You know, you go to him to be pushed. We already wanted to be pushed. We wanted to, to test our comfort zones and our abilities. And then, you know, having someone like him who will really help you test it is a, is an awesome thing. Speaking of pushing things, um, some fans have kind of have their, you know, every fan is going to have their own opinion when uh, a band does things, what's considered different, even though it's not vastly different. Um, a couple months ago, I spoke with uh, Aaron Gillespie about the new Under Oath album, and his response was basically, I don't care if you if you don't like it, listen to the one that you do, you know, the album that you do like. Um, so how do you react to fans when they're like, do, do you like Suicide Notes 2.0? You know what? Like, I think that people who say that man, how can I put it? Like if you're living so far back on the curse or something like suicide notes, then like, you're probably not even really that much of a fan of our band. You, you like one or two records and that's cool. Go listen to those records and enjoy it. I don't think that's the person who comes out and sees the trade shows, the person who goes and bitches about this sounding that way or, or another, especially like when you look at, you know, Suicide Notes come, came out, and that's basically everyone's first exposure to our band. Then we put out The Cursed, and we're starting to gain momentum. The Cursed is very, people would call it metalcore. At the time, there wasn't really, that wasn't a thing, you know, so it was whatever that was then. Uh, it was very aggressive. Um, Death Grip, we start to get more experimental. We start to do stuff like The Theft, mixing in Brandon's vocals in different parts of the songs, having more melody. Uh, then you go to Lead Sales, and the time between Lead Sales and Death Grip is years. You even just releases, the writing periods were as far apart as they could possibly be. So then we do Lead Sales, and Lead Sales is a giant evolution. It's a much more melodic record. Uh, the, there's metal, it's there, but it's much more grandiose and less like speed thrash metal, you know? Uh, Congregation of the Damned, then I think kind of somehow wades backwards a little. Like it wades a little towards death grip uh, on the needle, if you will. And then by the, by the, basically the needle just keeps moving back and forth. So if you, if it shocks people, the transition from long live to this record, I don't know how long they were with us because I think the transition from death grip to lead sales was much more jawing and much more of a big deal. And I remember doing it and people freaking the fuck out. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's all relative to just, if people like us, they don't say that shit. And it's people who maybe don't really like us that much. You know what I mean? But now the internet has a platform for everything. So it's all of a sudden this person might look like a fan, but it's actually just like a troll or someone who liked one record you did. And and maybe they're just a fan of that one record, which is totally okay. But we're artists. We have bodies of work. You know, I don't just use the same pen every time on the same paper where it's, it changes, you know. I appreciate that metaphor. So how do you go about crafting a set list then that allows fans to hear the songs that they want to hear, allows you to play the songs you want to play and is cohesive? We do it in the most politically correct way to please our audience, which is 90% of the set list to 95% of the set list is from like Spotify plays and things like that. We go look and see what the fans want to hear because we go if if they're listening to these songs, these are the Atreyu songs that they want to hear. So maybe we'll look at the top 30 of those songs something like that top 20 i don't know and kind of pick and choose you know seven tenths most of the set list that way and then the, an extra third of it is maybe like songs that we really want to play for whatever reason or we just got a fucking idea that that we have to play this song something like that so you mentioned spotify and having just released new music do you focus more on the spotify plays or the tangible album sales or somewhere in between you know what it's taken me a couple of years to realize like I'm a really 
I think I'm a really competitive person without realizing it. I don't want to be, it's not like good for your soul. And I, I don't realize I'm doing it. So I try not to focus on any of it anymore. Cause it, it just pisses me off. I'm it's never good enough. It's never what you want. Uh, our Spotify stuff is, is flying through the roof, like faster than it's ever been. It's really crazy right now. And I think like streams and stuff like that, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't really have a vested interest in CDs or streams <laughs> uh, is the way of the future. So I think you can't, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to say anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a, whichever way people can get their hands on our music, you know, is, is, is the best way, but it's a game changer. Spotify. And all that well, stuff. and I think it's smart to use that data uh, as information for you. Well, yeah, because people be like, well, why don't you play this song? And they're like, get, they get a little pissy sometimes. And it's like, cause no one wants to hear that song, but you, man. I'm sorry, like... Press play, you're fine. Yeah, it's like, that was like a B-side that didn't come out. That was like a bonus song that was given to Best Buy or something. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm sorry. It's a good obscure choice, it's but not cool, tonight. It's a cool song. I like it too, but we just can't. Like, we would have a, a, a 500, not 500, but a 70 song set. That, that, that would, it would, it would be a long night. <laughs> um, speaking of Aaron from Unearth before, and you also teamed up with uh, M Shadows with Bench Sevenfold. How did those partnerships come about for Superhero? Um, you know, we've known Matt and Aaron for a long time. We've known Matt longer, I think, even than Aaron playing shows with Avenged well, when we were both kids, basically. I mean, I remember playing in uh, a room that was twice the size of this room that we're in right now with us and us and Avenged on like the docks in San Pedro where we live. It's kind of like a real, real tough area. Uh, and they never had shows there. I, and I don't know what that room was in, but for some reason we played a show there. It was like us and Avenged Sevenfold and just our friends and like wives. Like, no, we didn't have fans. No one gave a shit. Those so, were the fans. Yeah, those were the fans. Like, it was awesome. I remember Matt's wife would sing a song with them back then because uh, she was she screamed on, like, one of their records. It, it was cool, man. It was a different time. You know, under oath, I want to say, like, Aaron was trying to tell me this because I, I don't want to say if it's the wrong information. So I'm sorry if it's the wrong information. But I think, like, one of under oath's, like, first tours or bigger tours or, like, longer tours. So one of them, we're going to take one of those, was with us. And I remember it because we love their band. They're real nice guys. Uh, and you know, I remember one time we were out with them and they're, we were driving down this hill, maybe in Baltimore or, or Pittsburgh or somewhere in between. We're going down a hill and like they turned left, their van turned or turned right. And the trailer kept going straight. It had, it had broke loose somehow and they didn't know. We didn't know. So we just watched their trailer go sh shooting down the street and we chased it down in our van and we caught up with it. Cause they didn't even realize what had happened at first. So like, that's weird, you know? So we've, we've been friends with those guys for so long. Sorry about the tangent here. Uh, that it was like a natural choice. They're both uh, fathers. Uh, and that was the whole point of that song was to have dudes that were dads write their own parts and convey their emotions and feelings uh, in, in regards to that subject. And I feel like in 2018, it's been such a rough year, but thinking about things about whether we are physically leaving someone behind or we're emotionally leaving someone behind, I think that that's a... It's a powerful message that can be both positive as well as uh, a little bit dark. Um, so it's an interesting take on things. I think our band has always straddled the line of positive and dark. You know what I mean? I think in a lot of ways, our darkness is positivity. Uh, I've, I mean, if you go back and read, especially like the first three records, like it's, it's, very, it's very dark music. It's not, there's nothing uplifting going on there. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I lost my I lost my train of thought there. Food will do that to you. Yeah, I, I see kind bars and I get excited. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that like that dichotomy and that kind of mix is is fun and that's kind of kind of what we do. I think a lot of people can relate to that and uh, are into that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? I, 
or even if you look like, you know, you're talking about losing people 2017, 2018, obviously we lost uh, Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington. And if you like, if you, and I don't know how this is coming across, I don't know how I come across, but it's out of respect and it's out of like, it's all like kind of like fucking whoa. But if you read the lyrics to like any Linkin Park song, it's, it's right there. It's right there. So for me, I'm lucky enough that this is my out, my out that keeps me from, from going too far, going down a, a, a path of thinking that I can't, my mind will let me get out of. Uh, and so this record in a lot of ways is about those dudes and about those things. And it was going through my head, you know, there's so many songs, there's a song safety pin. That's kind of about it. Um, there's even songs where like if Brandon had the idea, I won't get too much into which songs or what, but if like Brandon had an idea for a song, I would still be kind of thinking about those, those dudes and like that, those feelings in the back of my head, because it was, it was such a, it's such a big thing. And we wrote the record in two chunks and each chunk was written around the time of each dude's passing. Cause they were like months or a year apart and it's fucked up. In fact, I just, I uh, went to the last show of Mike Shinoda last week, oh. um, you know, watching the crowd sing, the Chester's part in, in the end and you, you see the fans weeping and you're like, man, if, if we could just turn the camera, you know, in a different time. And I think music is just such a powerful tool. Um, yeah, what's crazy is I think like there's, there's lines in, um, what is it? Like a uh, paper castle is another song on a record. That's basically about that, about those, those situations. And it's just like, you know, I, uh, we would have held you up. We would have carried you, you know, if we had known, you know, if you'd let us. And I think it's crazy that, that we, people with that problem can't always, can't always see it, what's right in, in front of them. But that's, that's why it's a problem. Music can be such a, such a positive or such a great outlet. 2017, like 2016 sucked. 2017 wasn't any better. 2018, we're not, we're not there. We're not done with it yet, but I'm, I think some, I feel like a lot of us are like pressing the fast forward button. So I know that myself included and many young people and I think people of many different ages will turn to music when times get tough. What kind of music do you turn to to listen to um, if you're having a rough day? Man, you know, I've always listened to to, to punk rock and hardcore. Uh, those are the first music musics that I was exposed to. And then I got into metal after. And I think metal is rad, but metal to me doesn't have the same like positivity in a way in a scene that hardcore Hardcore especially does, and then punk rock, that community does too. Like the metal scene is its own, like its own fucking, it's, its own, its own fucking thing. But to me in punk rock and hardcore, there's that sense of community. You know what I mean? And there's that sense of like, we can get through this or maybe like a positivity sometimes, even if it's fucking totally negative. Whereas I, I see na metal sometimes it's just like fucking whole oh, that feels negative, but it's a good negative. Uh, if that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think like coming up that way and thinking that way, man, I think, and it's hard for me because I, like, I can be real negative and I got some issues myself. But, you know, when you realize that you're the master of your own destiny, young or old, and that you can control your your perception of the situation, it changes everything. And it can be hard. And some days you can't rein in that mentality. But when you realize it, like, you know, that you have the control over it, it's powerful. And I think about bands that like I listen to. Like, I mean, I'm just throwing one random out, like H2O or something like that. Like H2O isn't telling you to like have a fucking pity party for your life. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, even more like more obscure, not more obscure, like more classic bands like Youth of Today, like old hardcore bands, youth crew bands. Like it's about 
fuck shit's hard, but let's push on. Let's get through this either together or by myself. We'll find a way. And I think that's something I think a lot of today's youth are going to need more and more because shit's just going to get harder. You see it in our current political and social climate. It's dog eat dog and it's only going to get worse. I'm not going to raise my kids to be soft. They can have emotions, but the world's hard. You need to be self, self-sufficient and strong. And, and I like music. That's like that too. Speaking of music, what's next up for Trey you after this tour? Oh man, we're going to jam this tour. We are going to go home for Christmas. Then we are going to go on Shiprocked with like every rad band in the world. Uh, Then we're going to go on a big European tour in February to March. Well, stay tuned for much more from Atreyu. This is Jackie. Thanks to Chorus FM and In the Key of Change. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 